five. Chris, the topic we will be discussing today is what goes into running a great online or virtual tabletop game, particularly if you're used to in-person games. Mm-hmm. Surely we're all efforts on this after the pandemic years, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. That was our that was our um yeah, probationary period. So from now on you you've got it down. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running role-playing games. I'm Chris Salzman. And I'm Andy Rao. Andy, so I've got a a quick story for you and I'm going to spare you some of the gruesome details. Um, So last week um, I managed to cut the the palm of my hand pretty badly. I was washing some dishes, dropped a vase that I was was washing and uh, uh, well, yeah, kind of skip forward. Anyway, so I ended up in the the, the urgent care, and they um, they got me all glued back together. Because it's funny that you wound up in the urgent yeah. care. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's kind of funny, right? It's I'm, one of those I'm, things where it's like it's funny now because it's like I'm I'm all fine and okay. Whenever anything physical happens to me, and I know I've mentioned this on the podcast before, I always think about like rolling like one d six damage, right, <laughs> in like a in a yeah. fantasy game having a very clear and present reminder of what that might actually result in in real life is always always a fun treat it's like oh i would have one hit point like i would be the the level <laughs> yeah. the level zero funnel character <laughs> but it also brought to mind a trope in like tv shows and movies that i absolutely hate um which is when two people are trying to like cement their bond their their relationship or their friendship I know where this is going yes yeah. they, they take out like they somehow have this you know ridiculously large knife <laughs> somewhere and they cut their palms you know and then like yeah shake hands or whatever and i'm just like that is the worst possible place yes to cut yourself what are you doing cut the outside of your arm or something i know yeah oh yeah especially like you know so having like a, a a palm injury for the past you know like week or so i'm just like that is insane. Like, what are, you, what are you doing? Like, you can't pick up anything. You're thinking about it constantly, which I guess maybe that's the point, right? Is you have to, you have to think about it. And uh, yeah, remember, remember that great uh, sacrifice that you made just <laughs> to become yeah. friends forever. I guess so. Yeah. I have the same thought about that exact same thing every time mm-hmm. it happens, which is how many times in real life have, have you ever heard of anyone doing this in real life? Like, it just seems to happen. In- I don't know. Like, I'm not a jock. I feel like this is the sort of thing that maybe, like, if you're into football, like, you've you've thought about or you know someone who's done. It's just one of those, like, we all recognize the symbolism of it, but I bet none of us have done it. I mean, yeah. if you have sworn a blood bond by cutting your, your palm or something, uh, I'd actually kind of like to know. So Yeah, I kind of would, too. Um, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, I, I sort of feel like, you know, you could probably spit on your hand, spit on your hand and get sort of the same, like, you know, elemental pact with whatever deity deity you're trying to involve here (laughs) well i know that you know it's no great insight to say that injury is handled ridiculously in a lot of movies but like just for me it's immersion breaking when i see someone experience an injury injury like that and then the Mm -hmm. film forgets it when it's narratively needed i don't remember what it was someone got like shot in the shoulder and like Think about a time you just like banged your shoulder against the <laughs> wall or something. Yeah. I mean, it's it significantly hinders your ability to do anything. Yeah. And <laughs> and the person's running around and, you know, blood is still on their shoulder just to remind mm-hmm. you that their shoulder just got shot by it like a high power weapon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and now they're doing acrobatics and like. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, like, yeah. I th- so I watched recently the John Wick, the third one. I forget what it's called. Like, oh, is it Quantum? No, what is it? I don't know. Anyway. I, I, I didn't. 
if, if it had a this is news to me they have titles like i think they have i think they do have subtitles i'm not sure sure what it is <laughs> um but anyway yeah so i mean john wick is like the the caricature of that like right like he's just like, yeah. you know taking yeah. hits and taking shots during the entire movie and seemingly like okay from scene to scene like he might have like a small limp but he can still then jump up and you know like wrap his legs around someone's head and <laughs> flip him over <laughs> right? yeah which good for him you know he's he's pushing 50 maybe a little bit older than that and he's still getting out yeah. there and being well wait until you see john wick 4 where they invent that everyone's clothes are bulletproof oh uh, it's like very difficult to describe and i mean it's john wick so yes yeah. like 100 this is great like yes. but it's very funny watching them use their like sports coat to like shield uh <laughs> yes anyway. Yeah, <laughs> we don't need to get into big discussion of this, but it has been long discussed that like the idea of hit points mm-hmm. and different other ways RPGs use man- monitor your health is not very related to the way actual human beings work, right? Yes, yeah. and you know, speaking of injury, I had I had like a migraine the other mm-hmm. day that I was crippled and unable to do anything for like mm-hmm. the entire day, and RPGs just don't, you know, maybe it's just the stories we're trying to tell with them don't. Mm-hmm want to work with the way human beings actually experience discomfort or um or you know temporary mm-hmm. um, disability things like that have there been games that you've played or you've read about that do injury in a way that um i guess it feels more right hmm. and i guess there's a lot of disclaimers here because i understand that yeah. genre emulation is what a lot of games are doing and yes. those genres do not call for realistic you cut your your wrist so you can't like use your whole arm i feel like all the ones that i've played all the games that i've played where it feels like it does it sort of right are the ones that um keep you somewhat low level right that are like more mm-hmm. more concerned with your 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 power rating sort of matching reality so like i mean I, I made a joke about like a level zero funnel you know, like me feeling like a level zero funnel character but i feel like those actually have somewhat a level zero character who has one hit point in like Morkborg or something like that is very, very killable, right? And like, so there's there's something about that that I think is more realistic, even though it's, you know, obviously very high fantasy, like yeah. nonsense too, yeah. And there's that challenge. I mean, it, it can quickly, it, when you create a system that causes sort of like a death spiral, and I've played mm-hmm. in games that, that in the name of realism attempt to do this, where you get worse, the more injuries you take. Yeah. That's like the opposite of fun. I guess <laughs> yes. You have a very specific experience in mind, but yeah. I like the way that Blades in the Dark and Fate and mm-hmm. various other kind of modern games, I really like filling in kind of consequence consequences yes. or kind of descriptors of the injury rather than checking off boxes. Mm-hmm. And I like that you don't check how much health you have. You look to see if one of your consequences would negatively affect what you're trying to do. So if yes. you wrote shot in the shoulder is one of your consequences. I like being able to evaluate then, will that affect my attempt here to fast talk the the gangster, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, totally. Yeah, like, you can't quite shake his hand as firmly as you should, right? Like, so right. that's gonna, yeah, <laughs> give him pause. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I think that invites a little bit of kind of creative thinking about what mm-hmm. the, this injury it needs to have impact because it was important enough to write down on my sheet. So what impact does that have? Yeah, I, I personally yeah. like that. I don't think I, you know, I don't think it's a perfect way to model injury, of course. But it's yeah, Blaze in the Dark does it really well because I mean, I really like the um, the conditions that you take in that game too, right? Mm-hmm. So if you if your stress ticks all the way up, right, like you have to take a condition, um, so you you don't necessarily die right away, right? In in that game, you're sort of knocked out of the the combat or the the heist or something that you're involved in, and then you take a consequence like maybe you're haunted, right? Like yeah. you are 
yeah, or you're like, you're paranoid right from here on out. And like, that is such a fascinating way of, of sort of like recognizing, well, I guess, I guess they're called traumas, right? Like you're like kind of recognizing the trauma that would be inherent in that, but then also making it part of like the flavor of the character. If I were to ever run Blades again, I would try to go as hard as possible to get, get some people with, with those conditions and traumas as, as fast as possible. Cause like, that's where all the, the fun stuff I think yeah. lies. It's, it's not when you're like at your, your most powerful and you don't, you have all of your resources. It's like when you're starting to deplete those a little bit, right. And you have to interact with, um, yeah, yes. interact with some of those detriments. But I mean, could you imagine in a, in a role-playing game, if like every, every morning after your long rest, you had to roll to see whether or not your character had a migraine that day. And it's like, yeah, like, yeah, and it can, I mean, I, you know, for like me and for you, like for other people that have migraines, it can sometimes feel like that, right? Like you wake yeah. up, you're like, is this going to be the day that I'm just like, well, can't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So enough, enough talk about that. I feel like in, if we're still going with this podcast in like 30 years, um, this will just be the podcast is us sort of like talking about our ailments. <laughs> Every day. Yes, that's Every right. Day. Yeah. yeah, except we'll be talking about our, our back, our joint yes. pain, and our. Yeah. I tried to walk across the room the other day and I fell. <laughs> yes, uh, you know yeah. that sort of thing. All the okay, so the other fun stuff. Um, yeah, so it's been it's been a little bit since we checked in on like uh, media stuff that we've been been like you know reading and, and watching and stuff. Right. So like I mentioned, John Wick, the aforementioned like you know palm cutting stuff. I've been watching Yellow Jackets as well, which oh, has. Yep. Has a handful of scenes along those lines, say, <laughs> um, which is really good. But the thing that I wanted to bring up to you is, so I started reading this uh, book series called uh, Dungeon Crawler Carl. Okay. Recently, so it is part of this genre. I'm going to look it up because I don't want to get this wrong. Crawler should have done this before we we jump. Is it on. like RPG lit or something? It's something like that. Yeah, lit lit RPG. Yeah. So the it's part of this genre called lit RPG, right? So this is these are books that are written specifically with like role playing games in mind. So Dungeon Crawler Carl is essentially a, a narrative wrapper around a mega dungeon that oh, okay <laughs> uh, that the the main character and his um his cat companion are going through. Yeah, so it is like it's this like fun mashup of all the young adult uh, dystopian novel tropes, like sort of all put into one, right? Like to just sort of give them a reason why they need to go inside this gigantic mega dungeon with huh. with like millions of human players and stuff. It's really fun because uh, since it's it's leaning into that that sort of like that RPG world, both in computer RPGs and then also like tabletop role-playing games like there's stuff like you know there's pop-ups all the time about achievements that they've unlocked and like whenever they get equipment they talk about like the stat bonuses and stuff so while you're reading this story which is mostly sort of like it's pretty frivolous but it's also pretty fun pretty well like pretty well written and breezy and stuff you're also sort of tracking their stats and their progress as they're they're going through um which sounds like kind of awful like when i when i say it out loud but it, it ends up being really fun because you have this sense of, of progress uh hmm. Yeah, progress for the characters too. So in addition to them like having revelations about themselves and who they are and all that stuff, you can also see their strength ticking up as they're going through the oh, dungeon. Interesting. Fighting, okay. Yeah, fighting monsters. I don't know how I have not heard of this genre. I haven't like I hadn't either until someone mentioned the book in my work, um, one of our work conversations. And said that it was super fun. So I, like, I just picked it up because I was like, this sounds just ridiculous enough. And just like, yeah, kind of, I'm, I'm now, I'm most of the way through the second book. I think it's a relatively new term, although it's certainly a genre that's been around for a while, right? Like I think, like now that I know the term, I'm thinking back to books that I've liked in the past. I'm like, oh yeah, that could probably fit, right? <laughs> like, huh. yeah, like Ender's Game, I feel like you could almost make an argument sort of falls into this too, right? Like it's, it's about a bunch of games, right? Like you're sort of reading recaps of, 
of uh, small children playing games. <laughs> Setting aside the main reason for this, which is that <laughs> it's a fun gimmick. Yeah. What is added to the experience of reading a story that you're seeing maybe you know the numbers mm. behind the scenes at the numbers that the that define the characters ticking up or down yeah that's a good question i think so again i've read exactly one book in this right. so genre, you're right? in this genre. <laughs> so tell yes. us uh, yeah so if anyone has read more I'd, I'd be fascinated to hear like if there's there's some some books that are sort of the, uh, held up as like the uh the the really good ones to read but for me, the fun the fun part about it is uh, it sort of pushes the story to always be going on to the next thing the whole time. So in addition to going through the mega dungeon, there's some like time pressure too, where each each level in the dungeon collapses after a certain number of days, right? So you have to make it down before that level collapses, or you know the story's over, right? So like you have yeah. you have like this constant sense of like movement, right? Like you're never gonna huh. It's never going to like really slow down and it's like, okay, and now they spend a year in this one place, right? Like, they're, they're, you know, they're going to constantly be moving on, finding new challenges, finding new action to, to, to work against. I mean, I, I personally like that. Um, I, I also am at a point in my life where you couldn't get me to read literary fiction if you, if you paid me. <laughs> <Right>. So <laughs> yeah. That feels to me like an evolved version of those choose your own adventure books from like the 80s mm-hmm. that had rpgs built into them play did you read any of these yeah i read a, a number of choose your own adventure books yeah okay but, um... these are choose your own adventures that are like and it would be like you face the goblin so using mm-hmm. your stat sheet in the back roll oh, dice yeah. to defeat it yeah. um and those were fun as a kid they hold no appeal to me now but <laughs> yeah. and i'm not i'm not i'm not um trying to trash the genre or something like that but i do wonder you know there is something about the interactivity even just passively watching those numbers tick up and down you Mm -hmm. know feels like a slightly different way to engage with what you're reading in a fun way so i don't know i think there's something to it i i still can't decide if what you just described sounds to me like something i would have fun reading or not but yeah i'm I'm interested to see one so are these common enough i can go to like barnes and noble and find one on the shelf um, no, as far as I can tell, and I, I poked around at this a little bit, and apparently there's some politics around uh, around this too. But like, it's mostly on uh, Amazon's Kindle Unlimited oh, okay. setup, right? So I think like Amazon will you know sign on writers to basically like they only publish there. So like I've been able to find these there, and then also um, the author Matt Dinneman has a, a Patreon as okay. well so like a, a lot of these like at least for him he publishes them uh serially right like so like sure. he's writing chapters and releasing them to his fans sort of like as he's going okay. right so i think if you were like really into it you can find find an author you like who's writing in this genre or another genre maybe like romance or whatever and you can kind of get like weekly chapters right as they're coming out <laughs> uh, too, which is also like a whole fascinating <laughs> conversation like off to the side of this but yeah it's fun i think knowing you andy i don't think you would like this series, right? Okay. Despite despite me liking it, it's a, there's a lot of like pun based humor, which I know is not okay. necessarily your thing. So yeah, I mean it's not a deal killer, but it it's it's walking towards the deal killer line. Yes. Yeah, well, I will tell you that the uh, so the the main character in it is Carl, who's a like a a, a nice kind of tough guy, um, and his his ex girlfriend's cat, Princess Donut. Okay, so that if if that doesn't scare you off. Yeah, <laughs> pulling this away, uh, puns and yeah. interest. Yeah, and Princess Donut the cat. Okay. Yes. Yeah. No, it's it's all good. That sounds that sounds delightful. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yes. Yeah. And so I guess good. let's just watch for the first, you know, New York Times bestselling 
work of great literature to feature RPG, RPG stats in the margins or something. Yeah, someone out there is like, well, 40K already has a whole bunch of novels that should be That's <laughs> should right. be considered, yes. Yeah. You know what we need is, uh, you know, an RPGification of great works of literature. So maybe yes. Gravity's Rainbow with stats <laughs> on the sides or something. You know, I've, I've, I've done a, a run at Gravity's Rainbow and that would have helped. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, we've yes. all we've all been there you yeah. know i i this calls to mind so i have in my basement the annotated dragonlance chronicles annotated and, okay yes, and yeah. all love and power to the drag dragonlance and the dragonlance mm-hmm. author i loved it as a kid or whatever but i got it purely because it makes me laugh every time <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh and the the annotations they live up to like what you would hope they would be, which okay. is like a green ochre slime. Is like <laughs> a, you know, like, yes. So, uh, yeah, just like the annotated Shakespeare, like that, that you sort of need to understand some of the cultural references. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. This yeah. kind of dragon born was born in the South region of whatever. That's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So let me quickly share uh, the media I've been into because we're the time is ticking along. Yeah. I have experienced a couple of RBG related things. I guess the one I want to talk about is I read Adrian Tchaikovsky. I believe I'm pronouncing the name correctly. His novel, uh, Children of Time. Have you heard of this? No, I have not. It's one of those books that, you know, on Goodreads, like everyone I know has read it and gave mm-hmm. it five stars and it's just been kind of been on that to read list for a while yeah. it's a sci-fi novel it feels very much like uh i don't i always mispronounce his name but Werner vinge yeah Vinge's stuff in that it is it does two things that i think are interesting and have my rpg gming wheel spinning one mm-hmm. is uh, it is a generational story as we this comes up in the past as i'm really intrigued by the idea of an rpg that follows a group of protagonists or their descendants and mm-hmm. stuff like that over the generations. But this is, uh, you know, over the centuries, it follows, I guess you would say it's kind of an ev- on an evolutionary scale because it follows this species of uh, creatures from their uh, roots as, you know, simple organisms to intelligent, evolved, spacefaring uh, beings. Mm. Uh, they, they're kind of going through this sort of artificially sped up evolutionary process. So over a couple thousand years, this society evolves into like a 20, more or less 20th century ish, uh, you know, level of tech. I don't have any insight there, except as to say, it's just reignited my interest in running a game like that, that um, Mm -hmm. something like the quiet year, but over generations of time Yeah. on my shelf unplayed is legacy life among the ruins. I think it's called. Oh yeah. It's like a post-apocalyptic, Powered by the Apocalypse game. And I, I have not run it yet, but I believe it is doing something like that where it follows, you follow the adventures of one generation for a bit and the way they uh, they impact the setting and then you move on. So <laughs> I don't know. Um, the next time I'm running something kind of experimental and quirky just to try it out, I think it might be, if not that game, then something else that taps into that generational yeah, I, think so. I mean, I, I know you you brought it up on the podcast, um, and I still think it's such a such a fun idea. Yeah, uh, for a game. Yeah, I mean, I like just as you were talking. Like, I mean, I like the idea of you just, you just play sort of that generation until it's not interesting anymore, and then just jump <laughs> jump to the next one. Yeah, right. Yeah, like it doesn't have to be like each each generation is a campaign's worth. 
of material, right? It could just be like a session, right? And then, and then you're on to the next one. Yep. Um, so yeah. there was one other thing I wanted to mention. And mm-hmm. so part of the, the other thing that was interesting about this book is that the species that it's following, the, the question the book asks is, what if spiders evolved into a sentient species oh. instead of apes? Yeah, no, I'm not into that. Okay. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I knew automatically this is probably not a book for Chris. But yeah. <laughs> so it follows the spiders going through the evolution of evolutionary steps of like kind of developing tools and mm-hmm. and coalescing into societies and uh, going through a renaissance, you know, that sort of okay. thing. And it made me think I have a lot of sci-fi games that I've read over the years and looked at. And a lot of them have like a create your own alien species section. Mm-hmm. And so I hauled out like GURPS while I was reading the Tchaikovsky book oh, wow. yeah. to just to see, cause GURPS has a, you know, very comprehensive, like, you know, build your own, mm-hmm. build your own species uh, set of rules. And those are all good. And, you know, if you look at Starfinder, I'm sure, you know, Starfinder has this too. Oh, my species has, extra arms so i get plus two dexterity and we're from a desert planet so we have plus two survival and you know hot temperatures or something mm-hmm. that feels very anemic compared to the sorts of questions that like this book was asking about mm-hmm. how the experience of this alien creature's evolution would impact the way it interacts with his environment yeah and what, what i mean by that is like you know what what would it mean if your way of transmitting information was through like pheromones and scent and things mm-hmm. like that, um, as these as some of these creatures do? <laughs> what would it mean if your planet doesn't have you know the resources to build like semiconductors and uh, to undertake um, you know advanced information age structures? Like how would how would you uh, how would you create computers? You know how would that affect the way that you um, communicate? What does it mean if your species doesn't have like a a vocal system that you tap with your legs and use gestures to communicate through vibration. What I would love to see in an RPG book, a sci-fi book is not, here's the bonus you get if your alien has extra arms or if it has some sort of natural armor. I would love to see a list of like 10 questions, like discussion Mm. questions that would that would ask things like, how does your, how does this species pass on information from one generation to the next? <laughs> so like spider yeah. species, they don't have like paper and they yeah. don't really have a writing system. So they, so in the, the book goes into it. I'm not going to yeah. get all tedious on us here. Well, maybe I'm being tedious already. But, oh, I don't, well, I love but this. this is I awesome, would love, yeah. I would love like just 10 kind of off the wall questions that would give me you know and sure throw in some bone you know some numbers in there so my some plus twos and minus twos Mm -hmm. here and there to my stats yes but what i really want is like you know give me a couple hooks to like role play my walking spider guy Mm -hmm. in a way that's like that is fun and really plays up that like this is not a human with makeup on it's like a creature that evolves in a its own universe um mm-hmm. so anyway, i'm gonna get off myself yeah box. no that's that's yeah i mean like yeah so as alluded to like I, I do not like spiders at all but i mean it does sort of raise a lot of yeah really fascinating questions like you said that they went through their own renaissance and stuff like if if they got to the point where they were as evolved as i don't say the word evolved but like evolved as, as humans are right now it's like i don't know i'm just thinking like would they have shoes right like would they have a like a political system like would there be like all these things that we sort of consider consider part of everyday life that yeah would would still exist (laughs) exist for them would there would there be vegan like spiders like you know it's like yeah there's just all these 
all these questions you could ask that yeah are very much more interesting than like yeah can they hold a pulse rifle so right <laughs> yeah so anyway uh right. thanks for indulging me as yep. i went down that uh but i like that kind of sci-fi so i guess listeners if you have other things to suggest along those lines i enjoy that kind of, yeah uh, do you think you would would you ever write that game up that you're talking about or write up that that character creation system because i think oh, that would be i mean i would i would like to play that i think that could be a fun thing to even play on the podcast yeah i don't know you know the, so the next time one of these like rpg challenge months rolls around mm-hmm. don't miss the chance to poke me about this because yeah. i would be interested in taking a crack at that mm-hmm. i probably need some sort of like external motivation to, yes. yeah. to make it happen but yeah. yes Okay, cool. Yeah, I will keep that in mind because I think, yeah, I want I want that. <laughs> I think that'd be really fun. Yeah, for sure. All right. So, uh, hey, why don't we switch over to our topic? Yeah, we and, should talk uh, about that for, for a little bit at least, yeah. Yeah, and we don't need to spend a ton of time on this topic. I think, mm-hmm. I think most everyone listening to this has very likely, in the last couple of years, for sure, tread mm-hmm. into the world of running online games. So can we start by asking you are you currently in any online games or after the pandemic did you get back to face-to-face you got back to face-to-face um so i occasionally will go virtual um just if like scheduling stuff ends up happening um but so the game the main game that i'm playing in right now you know we meet um like once a month or so let's say on, on on average in person there's one player who he's always virtual like he has been he's been in our like i've been playing in that group for eight years nine years something like that yeah and like he's always been virtual right so i think i've seen him in person once uh, and once when he was he was in town so uh like yeah so in some respects i have like a lot of experience with with like that being part of gaming and i think it works really well you know my gm matt like he spends a lot of time on props and he makes sure that that the, the the guy who's virtual or anyone who's virtual has sort of access to like yeah scan version of those props um yeah in, in some fashion the answer to the question a little bit is just sort of like you have to you have to care enough to make it make it great yeah i think um and i think a lot of that does also come down to translating some of the the table stuff to to digital as well in ways where you're not just sort of like stuck in the vtt the whole time right like i think mm-hmm. for me that's that's never like a great time if we're just like all all in roll 20 yeah. At the same time, I, I would rather sort of have different windows open on my screen <laughs> when yeah. it comes down to it, because that sort of mimics like how how I run games at the table, too. Of just like there's sort of paper everywhere and you're like sifting through trying to find find this stuff um, rather than like spending all this time on organization within the VTT, yeah. which is just like, I don't know, then then I just feel like I'm doing work at that point. <laughs> When you've played in online games, mm-hmm. has the GM, and maybe this GM is you, mm-hmm. does the GM show up? Are Basically, are you using all of the features of Roll20 or whatever? Or mm-hmm. are you just using the, uh, you know, the main play space uh, and the voice chat yeah. in the character sheets? I've run like a couple things where like I really tried to make online stuff work. So one was in Roll20. I ran a, a Blades in the Dark campaign. This would have been a couple years ago, right? At this point um, that you played in. And that one, I tried to use 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 the stuff. So there's like character sheets and stuff built in. That was really helpful. We had a map that we could draw on, which was helpful too. And there was still like a ton of stuff that I don't think we we really touched in there. But that that did facilitate, I think, play pretty well. Yep. Um, yeah, especially the the digital character sheets. And then the other one, I did uh, around a couple of sessions of something in Owlbear Rodeo. 
Mm-hmm. I like that a ton, a, t- a ton more than anything else I've seen. It's just, it's a lot simpler. And like, it sort of just gives, at least for me, it really maps well to sort of the the level of fidelity that I want in running a game, which is like, you have, you can draw shapes if you want to. You have a map like, you know, in front of you that you can, you can put stuff on, but it's not too fiddly beyond that. Um, every time I've touched roll, roll 20 and I try to do something more complicated, I just like, it's just very frustrating <laughs> i will say to do because it's just it's i don't know like maybe i need to take some time to learn it or something but yeah it's funny you should say that so i just played in a uh, fate game mm-hmm. in using albear rodeo i think it was albear rodeo mm-hmm. probably anyway it yeah. was if it wasn't albear rodeo it was something else whose pitch was it's just simple and minimalistic and yeah and and we still spent 20 ish minutes like wrangling with how come i can't see your dice yeah why won't <laughs> my note show up for everybody else mm-hmm. that sort of thing i mean no matter how, how simple the interface moving from in-person game to these virtual tabletops i feel like there's always a layer of like wrangling with the interface yeah that the most all out i've gone on a virtual game i think was the alien mm-hmm. game i ran i think you played in it yeah many years ago and even then i wasn't using most of the options on roll 20 mm-hmm. but i I tried to have maps and pictures of everything and all the NPCs and mm-hmm. that sort of stuff sorted out in advance. Yeah. yeah. I remember liking the maps quite a bit. I think you found a map pack somewhere like, and that was, that was pretty cool. I, I found the map pack after I had like laboriously scanned and like cropped everything <laughs> okay. uh, myself. Then yeah. I, then they put it on sale that I could mm-hmm. purchase. So, but I'm, I'm not bitter about that, but. Oh yeah, of course not. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I did that experience. I did find all sorts of neat little like third party tools for like making stuff into virtual mm-hmm. tabletop friendly elements. So like I found a little a little app that makes you put a picture in and then you can give it a you can turn it into a token by yeah. picking a order and the colors and things like that. So yeah. it was kind of fun to to dig into that ecosystem of like supporting mm-hmm. supporting apps to get you across that space between here I have my physical books and maybe a PDF mm-hmm. to roll 20, which is, you know, got with this, it's Byzantine tab interface with a million options. Yeah. What's, what's really interesting to me, like the, yeah, talking about that and then like thinking about games I've run is like the, the sort of prep that I do for, for an in-person game is, it's just like, it's so different. Like I would never think to go print out a giant map like right like i would never think mm-hmm. to go buy a map and get it printed out i'm like well if we're in person we're going to draw it together right or like i'm going to do like a, a quick drawing but online it feels like you you almost need some of that that like extra oomph or something to like to, to make it work and i don't really know what that is like maybe maybe i just need to uh to, to care more <laughs> about my 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 in-person games or something like that but yeah i think like for me because it always feels like like a bit of a lesser experience to run something online there's a level that i need to sort of put into it to yeah. make it feel worthwhile yeah it's like okay like if we're going to be digital like let's use some of those digital tools the last couple of games i've run i have leaned more into physical stuff to play with Mm -hmm. Uh, the last few in-person games I've run. Mm -hmm. And I am wondering if that is me taking away some of the positive experience I had running like alien and 
uh, band of blades, I tried to also lean into like having maps and tokens and, mm-hmm. and clocks and stuff. Yeah. And so I don't usually do any prep like that. But the last couple games I've run, Star Trek Adventures, I spent quite a while. I spent quite a, kind of quite a while making a big map with clocks on it um, and stuff. And I am now wondering if that is because I can unconsciously trying to emulate the good parts of the online game, mm-hmm. which were like having a big map a big detailed map that you could move around on without have me having to stop and like quick pencil in yeah. a, a crude map, <laughs> if that makes sense, you know? Like I, I sort of wonder, so like the new, like one D and D right They're They're working on this like crazy 3d VTT that they want to want to push everybody yes. towards, you know? And like, for me, that has like almost, it has negative appeal. Like I, yeah. I, I actively do not want that. But I'm also not the sort of person who is going out and buying like the perfect dragon mini miniature and painting it and stuff like that. But but I wonder, you know, for for those that do that sort of already are already blending some of that like digital stuff with their their game table, if that that sort of style of VTT is like, wow, this is this is exactly what I want, right? Like, you know, so like we all we've seen pictures or we know people that have like TV sort of embedded into their gaming table that they can project the map onto and they have all their their minis and everybody has like their their custom one and stuff and there's giant dragons that are getting <laughs> getting thrown out there. And like that's that's super cool. It's like just not sort of how I play. But I think if I was used to that, that's what I'd want in a VTT too. Like I think the Owlbear Rodeo would be like, what's going on? Like I'm missing I'm missing the whole third dimension. <laughs> third dimension here. You and I and probably most GMs, you know, we're all none of most of us, you know, do not have a giant miniature collection or a giant mm-hmm. map collection. So we are all very used to like, here's the dragon. I'm reusing this like miniature of an ogre because it's the largest miniature I have, you know, but yeah. it's the dragon. You know, we're very used to that sort of thing. And here's the orcs. I only have miniatures for um, a bunch of skeletons, but here's the orcs, <laughs> right? Yeah. Or here's a Mountain Dew can. It's the beholder. Mm-hmm. It is kind of neat. You know, in a virtual environment, it is much easier to show people exactly what your vision is of the thing they're looking at without them just having to interpret your words mm-hmm. or without you doing that awkward thing where you have you ever held the rule book up to yes. show them an illustration of a monster <laughs> of course, but you're trying yeah. to trying to cover up like the stats and things like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I I can see I wouldn't say that is something I need, but I can see the appeal in that. You know, isn't it more cool if if you're fighting a zombie dragon, isn't it more cool that you can put a digital token that shows an actual dragon that's a zombie? Mm-hmm rather than haul out the same dragon miniature that has stood in for every dragon you've used for the last 20 years, right? Yeah, yeah. So I can sort of see the appeal. Like that that over-the-top like 3D thing, which here's my hot take. It looks about like Neverwinter Nights looked. Uh, <laughs> wow, this is hot. Okay. Like 20 plus years ago when people were using Neverwinter Nights to do this already. Like, yeah. I'm not saying that to knock on Neverwinter Nights. I'm saying that to say people were doing this 20 plus years ago with Neverwinter Nights yeah. and it, it worked well and it, and it was, and it looked man, not this good, but it looked not mm-hmm. that worse than this. So yeah. okay. there's my <laughs> yeah. hot take. Yeah. Everyone go buy a cheapo copy of Neverwinter Nights. Yeah. Uh, um, Send I'm, all your tech support questions to Andy about like, right. why can't yes. I get it to work right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's right. Just install your IPX drivers and make sure that. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. I've yeah I lost track of where I'm. My point was, which I'm sure it was a dumb point. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. I think. Yeah. I think this is all pretty good. I mean, I think like you know, I think neither of us are going to ever embrace it a hundred percent. 
like 100 online gaming um and i think that's okay like the so like my gaming plans for the summer are are very much like related to in-person in-person gaming and maybe that'll shift around like you know later on in life but like i think especially just sort of coming out of like lots of pandemic related stuff right like you know it's definitely still going on but like yeah for me those in-person things are just like a little bit too valuable to, to yeah. just yeah shift over to digital yeah so i mean like my my plans are you know this summer like i want to get a neighborhood game of something going um you know i've got got a handful of people that said they're interested which is cool um and then we have the the con coming up too uh in august as well uh roll for topic con so yeah like that's that's sort of where i'm excited um but i mean this conversation is making me think like maybe maybe i should up my game <laughs> a little bit at the at the in-person table and maybe like uh, pull some of the that vtt uh stuff over over into it that's exactly where i was going to like, mm-hmm. so the most eye opening experience i've had related to a vtt lately was in the couple months ago running my most recent alien little mini campaign I found some amazing person online, and I'm sure I've talked about this on the show, some amazing person online had, for the adventure I was running, had created like an online, on a web page interface for the computer system of the ship that the players are exploring. Mm -hmm. So I did not really make much use of this because for various, some of our technical reasons, and also I didn't have the time to figure out how to use it well. If I could spend time on that to get it right so that so that people could use their phones to like access and click around in people in the in-game NPCs like email logs and things like that. All, this is a game where people had differing agendas from each other. So if you learned something from an email log that would further your agenda, you might not want to share it with others. You know, mm-hmm. there that made me think that. I think what would be more most fun for me is taking some elements of that VTT experience kind of powered by the tech we use here mm-hmm. and bringing it in in the right amounts and doses into a tabletop game. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of potential there supporting apps. But even as I say that, I'm running up against my extreme dislike of like wrangling with tech at the table, yes. right? Which we also <laughs> have talked a lot about. So I'm contradicting myself here, except to say that gave me a glimpse of like, this is almost a thing that would really add to my in-person game. It's Mm -hmm. not quite there yet, but if someone were to pitch something like that, it would be more compelling to me than a new virtual tabletop that has more whistles. There's a lot of options out there now, and I, for one, have started to glaze over when I see new exciting ones launched that, yes, indeed, they look awesome. Mm -hmm. The whole list of features, but... It's not quite what I want right now. I mean, I've thought a lot about like uh, writing like a uh, custom app for whatever game I'm running. Just like, yeah, like the the thought of that not working and then it turning into a tech support, yes. <laughs> the tech support session oh, is yes. just like, so like, oh, oh, no, I don't, I don't want that. Yes. The, um, like, so the, the main game I'm playing in, like I mentioned, you know, one guy who's virtual. So uh, Matt tries to pick theme music for all of our games which is like the best thing like go go pick out theme music for for the next game that you're doing and play it but like we were trying to get it set up what well, we I, I was <laughs> one of our, our players was trying to get it set up so the the guy in the the virtual stream could hear the theme music at the same time we were listening to it and it was just like i don't know like doing that is just it's so hard yes. to figure out all the little technical aspects of it right it's like, such a simple thing and yet it, it's so yes. hard 
Yeah, it, it seems like it should be simple. And I like I'm a software developer. Like I understand why it's hard. It also shouldn't be hard. Like it's like it's like all this stuff where yeah, like in person you just like hit play and then you can listen to it. Like and if you're virtual, then it's like this the sequence of of computing events, right? And it's like yeah. well, I don't know. For some people, that's like a nothing, and for other people, like that is deeply frustrating. So it's like yeah. yeah. Uh, finding finding that middle ground is tough so are there non-rpg apps for communicating and coordinating that do things better than your typical virtual tabletop hmm. i think because like at my at my employer we use teams mm-hmm. uh all the time with which is a little eye rolling but you know it's got a, a bazillion different things that are all kind of con- connected to each other i'm mm-hmm. i'm wondering of all the the base camps and the slacks and things like that have any of those hinted at something that would work really well in an rpg hmm. that's interesting yeah the the obvious thing is like you know zoom or teams and um teams like those just do audio and video better than i've ever seen <laughs> ever seen roll 20 mm-hmm. 20 be able to handle like right but uh yeah so like there there's those sorts of things but yeah i don't know i'm gonna have to think about that like i know with with Zoom, a, a while ago, we I used that for doing like a collaborative map um, with everybody. So we just sort of had a had a shared whiteboard that we annotated together, um, and that worked that worked pretty well considering everything. But I think like even Roll Twenty has has better tools. What I like about you know Teams e type environments, mm-hmm. which is not too different from Discord or you know, any of the million other apps. Mm-hmm. That it intrigues me, but I don't know exactly how it would work in an RPG. Is is kind of uh, the ongoing like record keeping of yeah. of what's going on, the logging of your experience, and mm-hmm. the ability to associate notes and and stuff with particular experiences that you could go back. Because I don't think most most online virtual tabletops I've used the chat is curiously underwhelming and mm-hmm. it's like i mean you could scroll back up through a big long chat thing but what if you had you know uh, like discord or or teams or slack or whatever like that you know what if you had encounters or conversations with npcs kind of just archived you could go back and revisit everything about that and even yeah. so i don't know i think there's something there and i think that there's something to the ability that a lot of these apps have to kind of like assign tasks or mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know, just that kind of arc for archival purposes. Like mm-hmm. what have we done? What do we need to do? What do we know so far? Yeah. I think that that's got some potential. It also seems like something you could get lost. We just waste a huge amount of time messing with mm-hmm. instead of playing the game. Right. Yeah. The, th- the thing that I've always thought would be, useful um especially if you're playing a more a slightly more complicated story game is creating sort of like a map of npcs and their relationships Mm, and stuff and having that be a a a shared conversation among the or like a shared shared note sort of between all the players because i think like at least the games i play typically you're like everybody sort of has their notebook that they're writing and and stuff but like there's oftentimes we're just like I want to see sort of like the web of connections. I want the the like the crazy board, right, with all the red string going between between everything. Like that's what I want. Like I don't necessarily want the like, oh, and then we talked to this person and they said this thing. Like like yeah. the, the transcript. I want the like the the overarching overarching connections. Cause I think like that over the course of a campaign, those are the artifacts that are more more interesting that, that fall out of it. 
are like those those sorts of things, like the the broad strokes of the story, yeah, like how people connected, you know, like, and then I think also for the GM, sort of <laughs> then getting to see see like what they thought they were trying to say versus what yeah. <laughs> what what their players sort of took away as the connections between everybody, yeah, and that to me that does seem like something like a digital something could do a good job of and i'm sure you know someone out there has made made great tools for it we just don't know about it but yeah yeah. well i spent a lot of time messing with obsidian and i was specifically was intrigued to check Mm -hmm. it out by looking at someone's cool video where they showed their uh their map like of Mm. their of connections of npcs and stuff like that i mean if it weren't just an astronomical amount of time investment to do that, that would be awesome. But yeah, <laughs> like in the Cthulhu game I run for some members of my family, my teenager keeps has this is the kind of the chronicler and mm-hmm. keeps this big journal where they um, tape all the handouts and they take exhaustive notes on what's going on, mm-hmm. and that's been a super fun thing that's added to the experience. But numerous times uh, we have hit a thing where it's like. I, the GM, have basically have to say, you have heard this name before. Yes. Go look through your notes. Yes, it was back in it was back in the Peru section, you know, and, you know, uh, digital tools would make that a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we should we should wrap up. That's yeah, um, yeah, it's been a good conversation there. Um, I think like, yeah, I'm, I was hesitant about this one because like, yeah, it's just it's something that I feel like you, despite having a lot of experience sort of with with this divide of running games online and not like, I just, I don't have a great handle on it either. And I, I do think part of it is maybe just like, I've never fully invested, <laughs> invested in, in really figuring one of them out. But it's like, yeah, it's, it's also odd in that if you told me I had to run a game online now, after all the experiences and stuff and the conversations we've had, like that wouldn't be as daunting. And I wonder if that's maybe the, the grand success of VTTs over the past couple of years is that, like they are approachable in a way that it definitely was not, you know, five, five or so years ago. It's obviously this is this is the way of the future that VTTs are are going to be alongside us mm-hmm. like for the foreseeable future. And I think that helping people know how to use them to get the most out of them is a much, much bigger need than make sure then making sure it has like reflective lighting or something on the map right <laughs> yes oh yes that is yes yeah it is absolutely the, the truth there <laughs> yeah um yeah like like all software uh it's not actually the features it's the documentation so there there you hey, go there yeah. we go all right yeah <laughs> okay well uh let's quit on that note i uh i don't know if that was useful or interesting, but mm-hmm. I do think we are past the point of that kind of tired old, do you rather run online or do you rather run in paper? Like, I think the future is you'll be running and playing in both environments and you'll probably be crossing the streams quite a bit um, one way or the other between them. So yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. All right. Well, good conversation. Um, yeah. So this has been Roll for Topic. We are part of the Roll for It Media Podcasting Network. Our sister show, The Splat Book with John Corey and Kyle Latino is awesome. Go listen to them. You can find them at thesplatbook.com. Um, yeah. We love those guys. Uh, yeah. And I think as I mentioned a little bit ago, so for for those of you who are local to Ann Arbor and sort of connected to us, we're gonna we're, we are gonna do Roll for Topicon again um, this Yay. summer in August. Yeah, super exciting. Um, yeah, so we'll have have more details about that. You know, please reach out if you're interested in, in coming and you're not otherwise sort of connected to us uh, on a day to day basis. And we will make sure that you get get the information that you need for that. Um, so that's that's super exciting. So I think that a chunk of our our summer is gonna be going towards planning that and stuff. Um, but I am. 
I'm excited. I think it'll be good. Me this is the third year we're doing it. So it feels like now it's an institution, but yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, but I think that's about it. So we will be back uh, next time. I think we, we've got a couple more guests and stuff lined up. I think we might do a couple like uh, special things um, this, this summer. I don't think we're going to do like a full summer of experiments, but I think we're going to do, we'll, we'll do some, some non uh, just talking about RPGs sort of episodes here and there. So. Yeah, it'll be good. Cool. All right. Well, I've been Chris Salzman. I've been Andy Rao. Remember, if your player's having fun, you're a great GM. Bye.